The title of today's Dharma talk is Being with Life, not just dealing with it. Of course, sure, we've got to do both. Fair enough. We need to handle the practical stuff. I'll, I'll just repeat that in a moment. So, as I said, the title of the Dharma talk is Being with Life, not just dealing with it. And, of course, naturally, we've got to do both. We need to both handle the practical stuff and also open ourselves to be able to experience first-hand, the unfolding of life. Problem is that these two undertakings have come to be at odds with each other under the circumstances of our culture. Our brand of engage, engaging in practical stuff requires that we keep things under control. And this insistence leaves no room for receptivity, no room for being present with the spontaneous unfolding of life. The prevailing tendency of the mind that is just, just engaged in dealing with the world is either to attach to or reject whatever comes its way. Nothing in between. No, no, peaceful coexistence with things. So the world gets chopped up in pieces. The parts we like and the parts we don't like. This proclivity to partition the world is implicit in the word dealing. Dealing derives from the German word teilen, which means to divide. True to its roots, dealing implies that in order to deal with a situation, we have to cut it out of context, of the context it's embedded in. And furthermore, to chop it up in pieces, to deal with it in piecemeal fashion. All of this precludes any possibility of being truly present with the situation we are dealing with. So, this contrast between dealing and being 
between partitioning and integrating is the centerpiece of today's talk. Let me now move away from all these generalities and examine the contrast between dealing and being in various concrete situations. See, we are in physical in physical pain. Some part of our body aches. How do we tend to deal with physical pain? The usual way is to numb our senses. Say, by using a painkiller. It often works. But the problem with this approach is that disregard the fact that the pain is there as a way of connecting us with our body. No pain, no connection. So, more concretely, I usually feel pain in my right shoulder right here when I sleep on it. I initially treated it with cortisone shots, injections. First once a year, then every few months, because it got worse. Clearly, as the warning got turned off, I slept more often on the damaged shoulder. Eventually, I shifted to strategies. I allowed myself to be present with the condition of my shoulder. I accepted the pain as an ally. With, it, with its help, with the help of the pain, and with the help of some physical therapy, I I've accommodated myself to the actual situation. I've opened myself to be with whatever sensations may show up in the area. Now, me, the pain and me, or me and the pain are friends. We help each other. Something similar occurs with Emotional pain, how do you deal with it? Christina Feldman, a meditation teacher based in England, relates the case of a woman who got caught in a painful emotional situation and sought her guidance. Here's what Christina wrote about her. She came to me 
exhausted by the quality of her life and her intimate relationships. Her home life was a battleground filled with tension and violence. She was a scapegoat for her husband's and children's suppressed anger. She said, I desperately, desperately need some peace, some way of enduring all of this, some calmness. Would you teach me how to meditate? I, that means Christina, gave her some simple methods to enhance her awareness and connect with what she was actually experiencing <coughs> inwardly. Two weeks later, she retained absolutely furious with me. She explained that she had followed my instructions diligently and she was so angry. All she experienced were deep waves of rage and fury for the injustice of her family's treatment of her. She said, all I wanted was peace, not this awareness that's so disturbing. And Christina goes on to say, it is upsetting for us to discover that the price of safety is at times numbness and dullness. It is disturbing to discover that the path of awareness is not always a path of bliss. It's a hard lesson to learn that we cannot bypass who we actually are to gain our spiritual trophies. It's an even more difficult lesson to learn that we cannot ignore the quality of our, of our world, nor our relationship with it, to gain our spiritual success. Strange from a vision of connectedness, we only perpetuate division and conflict. Indeed, our habitual strategy is to simply bypass the problems we encounter. Instead of confronting them in their integrity, we separate out and ignore the aspects which we find difficult to handle. And we deal only with the easy stuff, which tends to be the less important part of the story. So, how can we truly be with emotional pain? Meditation is a practice decided, designed, designed to be to do just that, to be present with all aspects of life, including whatever ways of emotional fury may show up. Christina was inviting her student 
not to ignore her fury, nor to get caught in it, but to transcend it. Let me highlight this invitation by using a metaphor. When I was a kid, since very young, I used to spend my summers at a beach called Punta del Este in Uruguay. Okay. And I learned to transcend the big breaking waves by simply diving into the heart. Instead of just standing in front of them to be shook up by them or running away. We need to do something similar with our emotional distress. Dive into it. In all of this, when whether confronting physical or emotional pain, there's always an underlying concern about safety, about security. Let me now take a few moments to explore how to let go of the sense of insecurity. First, by how to tend, we tend to deal with it, and then the alternative of being with it. How do, how do we deal with the fear that invades our mind and whispers in our ears? You can never be too safe. As there's some signs, there were some signs at least, in public places after 9-11. It's true that it makes no sense to put ourselves or, or others gratuitously at risk in the course of life. Fair enough. But the problem is that our concern for safety tends to snowball and snow and take over our mind we tend to ask ourselves relentlessly things like, uh, have I locked all my doors? Have I barred all my windows? Could enter, anybody enter my house while I'm out? Etc., etc., etc. And we tend to keep asking such questions even when our house maybe located in an area where no robberies have been known to occur. In fact, such questions have little, if anything, to do with the actual security of our house and much to do with our own inner sense of insecurity. What's the alternative? The alternative 
is to allow ourselves to be present with that sense of insecurity and eventually transcend it. To drop the barricades around our home and around our mind. To come to realize that indeed we can be too safe. As for our home, to stop seeing it as it as a forty-five enclave, and seeing instead as a niche in the ecosystem of the world. Then, and only then, we can feel that we are fully at home in the world. Eve Esler, Ensler, sorry, Eve Ensler, a playwright and activist, puts it unmistakably clear in a book entitled Insecure at Last. In an interview published in the Shambhala Sun, she was asked, why did she write the book? And she answered, I'm all overwhelmed by the obsession of this country with security. Everything seems to be about becoming secure. So I started thinking, why, when this country is more obsessed with security than ever before, do we feel more insecure than ever before? What is that about? And what is security? Is security possible? Is it the point of our existence? Because it doesn't seem that, doesn't seem like, sorry, doesn't feel like becoming secure is why I'm here. The more we become obsessed about being secure, the more narrow we become, the more fundamentalist, the more terrified of risk, and the more unable to step outside our own little tribes, frameworks, houses, and nations. The point is to become free, free of fear, free of attachment, free of jealousy, free of all those things. And so, looking into our fears and insecurities uh, as Eve Ensler encourages us to do, turns out to be an essential step for getting rid of them and embarking on the path towards enlightenment. Such was in fact the case for young Siddhartha, the Buddha-to-be. When he was still a prince, as many of you may remember, 
he, he lived luxuriously in his palace, actually his father's palace. And he felt the need to explore reality become beyond that luxury. So he managed to take a, a trip into the area around the palace. And during that trip, he ran into the so-called three divine messengers. An old man, not in very good shape, a sick man, even worse shape, and a corpse. And this, seeing this, waked him up to realize that life, like everything, is impermanent. And this realization set him up on his path towards enlightenment. So, so far, I've been contrasting the differences between dealing and being in situations concerning physical pain, emotional pain, and insecurity. Let me now compare dealing and being in one additional situation of a different type, namely when listening to sounds. So, how do we deal with the sounds we hear? One very obvious and totally superfluous way is by classifying them as I like it or I don't like it or simply I don't care. Either of these three options leads to disconnection. Even the liking is not real connection with the sound. And another way that, this, that is at times useful is to check whether a particular sound with here is a warning sound. Fair enough. Could be a fire alarm, could be a signal that a machine in, in our house or wherever we are is malfunctioning. Fair enough. But if that's all that sounds mean to us, we are missing an essential perspective in our lives by becoming obsessed with safety. By leading safety take over our life, as I was saying, a moment ago. The alternative is to be truly present with the sounds that reach us. Not just with the signals encoded in them, but with the actual experience of connectivity that they provide us. Consider, for instance, what happens to us on Wednesday night. Some of you come to the Wednesday meetings and we sit on the screen porch in the summer, anyway. 
And I invite the, the group to just sit and listen to all that comes our ways, whether sounds or silence. Period. To drop any attempt at, fig, attempt at figuring out their source or their meaning. Sure, it may be obvious that a certain sound comes from a car, a child, a bird, an insect, whatever. But the encouragement is to let this knowledge fade into the background and let the sense of listening impregnate our being. The medley we hear includes also the gaps when no sounds show up. Gaps which we call silence. We listen to the silence silence with the same care and appreciation with which we listen to the sounds. And the discontinuity between sounds and silence fades away and the two become one as we open up to the whole symphony of life. So, on the whole, both in the areas I have reviewed, like feeling pain, physical or emotion, feeling insecure, or listening to sounds, as well as in all other areas of life, the question is whether we are only interested in dealing with what show up or whether we can use experiences to deepen, deepen our connection with life. Again, let me contrast the two ways. Habitually, as I've been saying, we focus on just dealing with what shows up. <coughs> Initially, when we were small children, this, we took this to be the role of our parents. And this makes sense for a little child, sure, for a while. Later on, as we grow up, we tend to appoint a part of ourselves to take over this role and to run the show of our lives. Please notice that I, I use the word show advisedly because life easily becomes a venture designed to impress others or even to impress just some little part of ourselves. Anyway, the more committed we are to improving the show, the narrow and more predictable it becomes. All gets pre-planned. We come to live in the cocoon of our mind, much as the Buddha-to-be did in the cocoon of his palace. How do we get out of this cocoon? How can we truly be with life? 
We can do so even within the most conventional lifestyle by creating gaps in that conventional lifestyle. And, and meditation practice is designed precisely to provide us such gaps and to do something with such gaps. When we succeed in inhabiting the gaps, we discover the magic of just being present with the pulse of life. Open to receive whatever comes our way. This readiness to receive all that comes our way, even the unpleasant, is an initiation towards the act of full acceptance of the reality that dwells in and around us. An initiation to becoming fully intimate with ourselves and with the world around. There's no more separation. We and the world are one. Not identical, of course, but an interwoven continuum. And now, in the last section of this talk, let me share with you a dream I had a few months ago when I started taking notes for this talk. In the dream, I was giving a Dharma talk. <laughs> Initially, I was doing so while sitting at an improvised podium in a meditation hall much as I'm doing right now. But then I left the podium and the hall and found myself rambling around the streets of a city, still giving the Dharma talk <laughs> and addressing it to each and everyone I encountered along the way. It soon became clear to me that I too had become part of my audience. Much as singers and musicians become part of their audience when they sing and play in public. My Dharma talk was not, no longer a one-way street the separation between me and my audience had dissolved. We had become a continuum. What a treat. What a treat.
in sum, whenever possible, let us live our life unscripted. Let us allow ourselves to be present with all that comes our way, from inside ourselves or from the outside world, without rejections and without attachments. Let us drop our relentless attempts to deal with life and to manipulate it by trying to cut it up in bits and pieces in order to then fit those bits and pieces into the compartments that we have prearranged. In simpler terms, let us fully participate in the flow of life. Let us experience life fully from the depth and width of our being. Let's sit a moment in silence for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.